0: amen Proverbs 31 we're going to begin with verse 1 and read down through verse 5 Proverbs 31 and verse 1 the words of King Lemuel the prophecy that his mother taught him what my son and what the son of my womb and what the son of my vows give not thy strength unto women nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. And um, obviously we could keep reading many, many other things here in this chapter. But but I want to focus on a principle here this morning, and I I ask that you would um, grant me some time to develop what I'm trying to get across this morning. Um, Don't want to be misunderstood, so just stay with me for a little while. It's Bible study, Sunday morning Bible study, and we're going to study the Scriptures today. Amen. So, So keep your Bibles handy and I want to talk to you from this thought, prepared for a particular purpose. Prepared for a particular purpose. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word to your hearts. You may be seated. It is interesting that Proverbs chapter 31, we know and recognize that the book of Proverbs was written by Solomon. But Proverbs thirty-one opens with the words, uh, the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. Now, again, we think of the word prophecy. Uh, we've got a lot of ideas about that, but prophecy is is not just foretelling the future. But the word prophecy here in the original uh, Hebrew really means a burdens. It is any utterance. In fact, it can be a tribute. It can be a song. But it is the delivery of an idea, the conveyance of a principle. And this is what Solomon said. He said, as I finish this book of Proverbs, as I conclude this book of wisdom, there is something that I want to pass on to everyone And it is that which was handed to me by my mother. My mother instilled some principles in me that were valuable, in fact, invaluable to me. And I feel that these things need to be passed on to others because it was the... The impartation of these principles that made me what I am today. And of course, before the chapter's over, as I mentioned, he uh, begins to describe the virtuous woman, the picture of perfection among her peers. And uh, this was obviously something he felt his mother had taught him, not so much in her words, but by her actions. Hallelujah, amen, I I I do believe that uh, Lifestyles are more quickly caught than taught Anybody hear what I said I believe lifestyles are more quickly caught than taught Our children see the lives that we live and they learn more by the way we live in front of them Than by the words we speak To them. Amen. And I believe that what Solomon was doing as he dealt with the virtuous woman is he was really describing what he had watched in the life of his own mother. Amen. Uh, He then begins to expound here in the first few verses of chapter 31 on these principles that his mother had instilled in him. And, and we want to look at those principles. and We want to talk about them just briefly before I get to where I want to go this morning. But, but there's something else that I want to first draw your attention to. And, and that is uh, what he said here, the way he identified himself in uh, this book. Amen. Um, let's, let's look again at verse 4. And, and listen to what Solomon says.
1: It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine. Now,
0: if, if you noticed in verse 1, he said the words of King Lemuel. Now, why did he identify himself as Lemuel when his name was Solomon? Well, evidently, Lemuel, according to verse 4, he's quoting now from his mother. This must have been a nickname his mother gave him. Now, why did she give him the nickname of Lemuel? Well, perhaps it's because of what that name means. Lemuel is a compound Hebrew word. It's made up of two separate words, uh, limo which means for or belonging to, and El, which is the Hebrew word for the Almighty God, Elohim. And so Lemo and El, Lemuel, this, this means one who belongs to God. I believe the very first principle that she instilled in him was Solomon, you are God's child and i'm here to tell every parent under the sound of my voice there is no greater principle you can teach your child than to instill in them that they belong to god it doesn't matter what the rest of the world thinks about them they don't have to try to achieve success in the eyes of anybody else but the key to their life is that they seek to please god First and foremost, they are the children of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, let us let us look at some of the things that that uh, Bathsheba taught Solomon, some of the things that she instilled in him. Read verses 3 and 4.
1: Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink.
0: Now, now remember, at this point, he's a child. He is recalling here in chapter 31 the things that his mother told him as a little boy. Are you following me? And yet, what is she telling him? What is she teaching him? She's saying, son, there are some things that a king should never do. Now, she's not saying the son of a king. She's telling him, you've got to live your life as a king. Well, hallelujah. She believed that her son was destined for the throne. And so in accordance with that belief, she did everything she could do to train him in the ways of royalty. She was making room for the great things that were going to take place in his life. She didn't wait until he turned 18 and then start telling him, Now look, you got to fix this and you got to fix that. I'm telling you, I I do not understand the mindset of parents today who say, I'm going to raise my kid and let them decide what they want to do when they turn 18. Now, I'm not talking about jobs. I'm talking about with regards to their relationship with God i've literally heard parents say i don't want to force my religion on my kids i'm just going to wait till they get 18 and they'll make their own decision i'm going to tell you something parents they're going to decide based on your lack of decision and what they're going to decide is i don't want anything to do with church you've got to start from the very beginning he meant determining the direction of your child there is an old saying that as the tree is bent so shall it grow and I'm going to tell you it is our job as parents to bend the tree in the direction we want them to go. This is what Bathsheba was doing. She was bending Solomon toward royalty. You're not like every other child that lives in this palace. You're not like your brothers. You're not like anybody else in this family. I'm telling you, Solomon, one day, you're gonna sit on the throne, and so I'm gonna train you from day one how to be a king. Well, hallelujah. Amen. Listen, Proverbs 22, verse 6. Uh, many times we read this verse and take it as as some kind of promise from God, and, and that's okay, but that's not really what the verse is saying. Proverbs 22, verse 6.
1: Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it.
0: Train up a child. In the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, now, this verse really is more of a warning than it is a promise, because the literal Hebrew rendering is "train up a child in his way." In other words, if you let a child do his own thing all of his life, then when he becomes an adult, he's not going to listen to anybody. Well. Um, brother Merriman and I were just having a conversation this morning he was talking about witnessing some parent who was who was upset uh, they were at some kind of um, amusement park some months back and and uh, they tried to get their child on a ride and and the attendant said no they're not tall enough and daddy got mad got upset No, you gotta let my little kid get on here my little girl you gotta let her ride well she's not tall enough well but you gotta let her ride i'm going to tell you look this is america today this is the way parents and sadly some parents in the church are raising their kids rules don't matter laws don't matter regulations don't matter we'll help you get around it we'll find ways to get around it well i'm telling you the truth this morning amen you train a child that way and when they get old they're not suddenly one day going to start lining up and saying okay i'm going to do what i need to do but they're going to live their whole life expecting everyone to bend every rule well is anybody going to help me this morning amen we need more parents who believe in their children who understand divine providence amen who will begin to pass on some principles uh, to their children listen you're not like everybody else when they come to you and say other kids in the church do it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing i'm preparing you for something special i'm trying to take you someplace the others may not get to go well hallelujah David had many wives David had many children but Bathsheba said Solomon you're not going to be like every other child you're not going to be like the rest of your brothers I'm telling you Solomon you're destined for greatness and that means we're going to have to put some things in you right now while you're young hallelujah amen amen and so parents have got to learn to their children service sacrifice principles amen instilling the fact that God wants to perform great things in and through them you know it is it has always been the plan of God that whatever he's going to accomplish he's going to accomplish through individuals that's the way God works. And you know what God needs? God needs some individuals that are prepared, amen, for the purpose of God. God needs us. God needs us, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, to start looking at your kids in a different light. I'm not I'm not interested, amen, in you being a star one day. What I am interested in is you pleasing God. God is going to be looking somebody when you become an adult god is going to be searching for somebody god's going to be trying to find somebody and i want you to be ready to step into that place hallelujah now stay with me here for just a little while what what was it that stirred the heart of Bathsheba that caused her to want to make that kind of investment training and preparing and teaching and passing along these principles to Solomon to prepare him to become king well for one thing evidently somewhere along the way though the scripture doesn't tell us when it happened the scripture does say that it happened and that David confirmed that it had happened David made a promise first
1: Kings 1 and 30 Even as I swear unto thee by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, thy son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne in my stead, even so will I certainly do this day. David had
0: evidently made a promise. He said, I swear unto thee. Past tense, somewhere back there, when Solomon was just a little boy, David made a promise to Bathsheba. I know I've got a lot of sons. I know I've got a lot of children. But I'm telling you, this boy is the one that's going to be my successor. He'd made that promise. Amen. But but let me go just a step beyond that because let me tell you, there was only one way Solomon could get that promise. He had to be the son of royalty. David wasn't going to hand the throne off to somebody else. It was going to come to somebody that had his own blood. God had promised David that the kingdom would not depart from him. God had promised David that his scepter would never end. David knew if anybody is going to sit on the throne of Israel, he's going to have to be one of my descendants. Now now, now listen to me. There is no question that throughout Scripture, God often considered a person's lineage when he chose to use them. Now, there are exceptions, so, so don't, don't say I'm being exclusive. There, there are exceptions, but, but think about this. The Messiah had to come through the lineage of Judah. He had to come through the lineage of David. The priests, those that served the tabernacle and the temple, had to come from the lineage of Levi. The high priest had to come from the lineage of Aaron. Are you with me? God got ready to use them. Then they had to be of a certain heritage. Now, again, there are exceptions. And I, for one, am very thankful there are exceptions. I don't have a lineage, I don't have a heritage, I don't come from a long line of people that serve God. Uh, I, I was telling a group of preachers' kids the other day, I was teaching at a meeting and I told them, I said, I have to go all the way back into the 1800s in my family tree to find any kind of a preacher anywhere in my family. I, I don't have a lineage, I don't have a history, I don't have a heritage, I'm thankful God does make exceptions. Well, hallelujah. Some of you ought to be thankful for that as well. But still, by and large, the majority of those God used were of a particular lineage. They came from a certain family. And God looked at that lineage. I'm telling you, God cares god cares about preserving a lineage through a family now now stay with me stay with me but having said all that i need to also say that we know what peter said in acts 10 and 34 is true
1: then peter opened his mouth and said of a truth i perceive that god is no respecter of persons
0: god is no respecter of persons all right so so again i want you to understand god is no respecter of persons god god doesn't care if you're rich you're poor you're young you're old He doesn't care your skin color. He doesn't care. He doesn't care what country you're from, what language you speak. None of that matters to God. But at the same time, there is a scriptural principle that God looks into families. God looks into lineages. God looks at heritages. And God reaches down many times and does a work through that. Now, why is that? Well, we're going to talk about why in a few moments. But... Stay with me. I'm still trying to just build a foundation here this morning. Let's let's look at this. Some of you may not be aware of this. Malachi 2, verse 15, gives us an interesting principle that we should never forget. And did not he make
1: one? yet Yet had he the residue of the Spirit, and
0: wherefore one, that he might seek a godly seed? Now, now wherefore one and 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 look we understand even Paul comes along later in the New Testament and talks about that that uh, a man and wife uh, are no longer two but they are one flesh and and so the writer here Malachi is saying why why did God make them one wherefore one what's the answer
1: that he might make
0: that he might seek, might a, godly seek a godly seed that he might seek a godly seed will say a godly seed now let's finish the verse. Therefore, he take heed to your. Therefore, spirit, watch
1: your spirit. And let none deal treacherously against the wife. And, and of the be vision. careful, be careful
0: how you deal with one another in your marriage. Well, I could really start doing some meddling right here, but I'm going to tell you there's a reason why God wants our homes to be godly homes. It, look, there's more to this than just keeping you out of hell i'm afraid too many of us have this perspective that all god wants to do is save me so i don't go to hell no no there is much more involved than just keeping you out of hell if all god wanted to do is to keep you out of hell then he'd save you and kill you at the same moment and that way you go straight to heaven no question all right but he leaves you on this earth for a reason And one of the reasons is God is looking for a godly seed. God is looking for children that are raised, amen, around the church, raised in a godly home. They know the sound of prayer. They understand Bible study. They're faithful to the house of God. God is looking for children that will be raised in this atmosphere and that will raise their children in this atmosphere and they'll raise their children in this atmosphere. God wants a godly seed. God is not just concerned about saving individuals. God cares about saving families. Well, if you don't think that's, that's the case, let me, let me look at a few things here very quickly. Uh, Acts chapter 16, um, we, we know the story, and it's been preached to Paul and Silas in jail, and midnight that prayed and sang praises, and, and all of that. But, but there's, there's something here that I'm afraid we miss in this story because we get excited about the earthquake that set them free, and that's all the farther we read. But listen to this, Acts sixteen, verses twenty eight to
1: thirty-four. And Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Uh Uh-huh. Then he called for a light and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Now usually what
0: stop, stop. Usually that's all we ever hear quoted. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But do you see that in your Bible the sentence does not end there? That's not all Paul said. He didn't say, believe on the Lord Jesus and you're saved, end of discussion. But he said, when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, God's going to start a process in your life. God's not just looking at you, Mr. Jailer. But God's looking at Mrs. Jailer. And God's looking at Jailer Jr. Yes, sir. Thou shalt be saved and thy house. Read.
1: And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house.
0: And to all that were in his house.
1: Read. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. And was baptized. He He healed his.
0: all his straightway straightway
1: and when he had brought them into his house he set meat before them and rejoiced but leaving believing in god God
0: with all his i'm preaching to you this morning god is looking to save entire families god wants a godly seed God wants a godly seed. Listen, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for every drug addict that comes in and gets delivered and starts living for God. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for every alcoholic that comes in and lays down their bottle. God fills them with the Holy Ghost and sets them free. I'm thankful for that. But I'm going to tell you, there is something to be said for these children that are sitting on the pew today that are being raised by a mom and a dad that love God. There is something they can do that nobody else can do. They are, they are being prepared. If you're training them right, if you're teaching them right, that God is preparing them for a special place of service in his kingdom. okay one example's not enough all right all right so let me give you another one how about Zacchaeus Luke 19 verses 5 through 9 and when Jesus came to the place he looked up
1: and saw him and said to him Zacchaeus Zacchaeus make haste haste. come down come down
0: for today for today I must must abide now listen if all he's doing is trying to reach Zacchaeus he can do that right there in the street but Jesus is not just looking at Zacchaeus
1: let's read on and he made haste and came down and he made and haste and came joyfully down. uh-huh and when they saw it they all murmured saying that he had that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner uh-huh and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord behold Lord the half of my goods I give to the poor and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation I restore him for now now, now, now look they
0: said he is going to be the guest of us what does that mean he's the guest of us what does that mean he went to his house right he didn't just stop there in the street and convert Zacchaeus but he went to his house in fact listen to what Jesus says in verse 9
1: and Jesus said to him this day, this is, day salvation
0: is salvation come not to this man, but to this house. House, God is looking to save families. I hope somebody's hearing what I'm telling you this morning. God is wanting to save families. All right, let me give you another one. Acts chapter ten.
1: Acts chapter ten, beginning of verse one. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. It's enduring of the band. Yeah, we, we know band. the
0: story of Cornelius, don't we? we? We know about Cornelius. We talk a lot about Cornelius around here. It's an important story. But I'm afraid we don't really know all the details of Cornelius the way we should. Read. A devout man. He was devout.
1: And one that feared God. He feared
0: God. With all his heart, With all his house.
1: Which gave much alms he people. He gave big
0: offerings. And prayed to God always. And he prayed regularly. That's quite a bit of qualifications there, if you ask me. Right? I mean, the Bible said he was devout. The Bible said he feared God. The Bible said he gave big offerings. The Bible said that he prayed always. But just being religious and just praying and just giving offerings does not mean a person is saved. Just because a person prays does not mean they are saved. Cornelius did all these things, but he wasn't saved. Let's read
1: on. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, The prayers of thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send, now men send to me Joppa. to Joppa. And call for one Simon, for for whose whose surname is Peter. Uh huh. He lodgeth with one Simon, a tanner. Uh huh. Whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee. He's
0: going to tell you what you ought to do. Look, what you're doing is good, but you're not saved. There's more that's got to happen in your life before you can really claim to be saved. God's not disparaging him. The angel's not putting him down because he prays and he gives and he fears God. The angel said, that's great. That's a good start. But we got to go on from there. All right? So we often stop at verse 6, but the story doesn't stop at verse 6. So let's read just a little bit more. Verse 7.
1: And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his cornelius of called him. two of his servants and a devout soldier, a devout that, waited soldier that waited on him
0: continually
1: and when he had declared and he these declared things him, these
0: things unto them
1: he sent them to Joppa
0: now Cornelius Cornelius amen has had an experience with God but it's not gonna stop with one man there's something else happening in his home well, praise God. Let's go down to verse 44. Amen. And, and let's start reading there. Well, Peter, yes. So words. he sends for Peter. Peter comes to the house. God's already been dealing with Peter. God's given Peter a vision. In fact, three times the same vision. Uh, letting Peter know you don't worry about who they are. You just go and, and reach them. And so Peter comes. Peter preaches. And while Peter is in the process of preaching, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost fell fell the holy ghost fell on all all which the- them not on him not just on cornelius it wasn't a one-man congregation that day but there was a whole household that was gathered together to hear the word of the lord it meant somebody get what i'm telling you today god's not just looking for an individual but god wants to save families right he the holy ghost fell on all them which heard the word read
1: and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with peter because that on the
0: gentiles because that on the now wait a minute because that on the gentiles not a gentile do you see this not just Cornelius, but on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know they'd received the Holy Ghost? For well, they heard them speak with tongues. For, for they heard them. For they heard yeah. them. Not him. But they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then and Peter, then answered Peter Can any man, can man, forbid, man water, forbid water? That, thieves, that Wait, that. Thieves. These should not, be, should not baptized. be baptized Whichever received, Whichever received the, Holy the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost as well as we and he commanded, and he commanded. yeah you're getting it aren't you he meant it wasn't just Cornelius but it was all of his household it was the soldiers that waited on him it was the servants that attended to him everybody under that roof God wasn't just reaching for one man God was reaching for a family and be to be baptized in, name in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I, I'm telling you today. I'm t- now, did, did that not convince you? Did, did, well, let's, let's hear what Peter has to say. Let's go one more chapter. Chapter 11, verses 13 to 15. And let's see what Peter says when he's telling the story later on.
1: And he showed us how he had seen an angel in, the, in his house. Yeah, he's talking which, about
0: what Peter, uh, what Cornelius said to him,
1: which stood and said unto him, "Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, uh-huh. who shall, tell, who thee shall tell
0: thee words whereby thou, whereby thou and, all thy, and house, all thy house shall be saved." Shall be saved.
1: And as I began as to I speak, began to the Holy, speak, Ghost, fell the Holy
0: Ghost fell on them, as on us at the beginning. That's why I'm preaching to you, God. We gotta get it. We gotta get a revelation of this. God is interested in having godly seed. Look misunderstand me i am thankful when a sinner walks in off the street we've got to have that but we've also got to have some moms and dads some grandmas and grandpas that understand the reason we've got these kids is not to take care of us it's not to provide for us in our old age but it is to give god something he can work with our job is to raise these children in a way that god will naturally reach down and say i pick this one i want this one well, hallelujah. Amen. So why? Why? Why does God want a, a godly seed? Why? Why is it so important that families live for God? Why does that matter? Well, really, the answer is pretty simple. Think about it. Who better to step into a position than someone that's been raised around it and knows the business of inside and out right now i know america's changed i I know that 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 we're not uh we don't do things the way they used to be done but for many years in this country men would sacrifice their lives to build a business but it wasn't just their business it was a family business business and from the time that their children were born if it was a store they'd have those little boys or those little girls in that store they'd be learning the product they'd be learning the prices they'd be learning how to do de- right They're they're training them from day one, training them. One day, daddy's going to be too old to run this store. One day, daddy's not going to be able to do this. And I want to have the business built up, but I don't want to just walk away and turn it over to just anybody. I want somebody that can step in and take the reins and keep this thing seamless. Uh, There can be a transition from one generation to the next without any bump, without any flaw if they've been trained in it, if they've lived in that store, if they've slept on the floors of that family business, if they've heard mom and dad talking around the supper table about the family business, then they don't have to go through on-the-job training. They don't have to enroll in college to learn business management. From the day they were born, they were learning business management. They were being prepared for a particular purpose. I'm raising you with the idea that the day's going to come. I'll step out of the way, and you'll step in. Right? Listen, think about it. While the children of Israel are wandering in the wilderness, those that were born of the tribe of Levi, they couldn't start serving until a certain age but do you know how much time would be lost how much downtime it would be if a person when they turned 30 had to go in and learn all of the intricacies of what went where as they assembled the tabernacle right think about it how much time would it take for them to learn every little piece every little article how many weeks or months or years of training before they finally had it down where they could put this building up without flaw but when it's everybody that's in the tribe of Levi you know this is what you're born for then even as a little boy I'm not old enough yet But I'm watching how daddy puts that together. Because daddy knows one day he is going to step into that position. The high priest, you you know, you know God was meticulous. Everything had to be done exactly right. God didn't allow any errors in the way the blood was presented on the mercy seat. But that high priest could not take months to learn how to do it so you know what he did he just watched daddy as he grew up daddy was teaching him daddy was preparing him and when it came time for daddy to retire son just stepped into the office he didn't have to be trained he didn't have to learn anything he didn't have to take any classes he already knew because his whole life was a training this is what i'm preaching to you church This is the way that we ought to be raising our children. This is what we ought to be doing with our kids, raising them in such a way that when God gets ready and says, I need somebody to do this in my kingdom, I need somebody to do that in my kingdom, we've got children that have been brought up understanding the things of God, understanding the workings of God's kingdom, and they're ready and they're prepared. You know, the apostle Paul, really, really, I think most men would say probably the greatest of all, most men except Paul himself, because Paul called himself the least, but, but I think most people would say Paul was probably the greatest of all the apostles. I mean, he reached all of the then known world, wrote two-thirds of our New Testament. What a man, a man of miracles, a man who knew the message, a man with anointing. But when, when Paul was about to die, he sat down and penned a letter. He said, the time of my departure's at hand. I know they're about to take my life. 2 Timothy, as far as we know, is the last letter Paul ever wrote before he died. Now Paul, you understand, Paul had started churches all over Asia. Some of them had turned into very large congregations. Uh, For example, the church at Ephesus, which Paul began, Acts chapter 19, right? Right? Paul started the church at Ephesus, Acts 19. Do you know that the church at Ephesus grew, according to history, to to some 20,000 members? 20,000. That's a pretty big church. And Paul had chosen one man to step in and take care of the church at Ephesus. Now, he must have been a pretty bright individual. He must have been a very talented man. Must have been a highly anointed man. Would you agree? I mean, if he's going to take a church of 20,000 people, he better know his stuff. And a lot of other churches that Paul started. And Paul would hand pick men and put them there. But when Paul knew his time was up, Paul didn't pick the pastor of Ephesus. He didn't pick the pastor of Corinth. Paul reached out for somebody else. He said, my time's up. But I need somebody else to step into my shoes. So he picks up his pen to write one final letter. And this is what he writes second Timothy chapter 1 it's a lengthy reading but stay with me beginning with verse 1 Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God uh-huh according to the promise of
1: life which is in Christ Jesus to Timothy my dearly beloved son. my dearly beloved son read grace mercy and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord I thank God whom I serve for from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing i have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day right, let's skip down a little bit let's skip to verse six wherefore i put thee in remembrance that thou stir, stir up the up gift, the gift of, god, of god which is in thee, which is in thee by the putting by the on, putting of, on, my on of my hands for god hath not given us a spirit of fear but a power and of love and of a sound mind be not thou therefore ashamed, no of, the ashamed of the testimony of, our Lord, of God, nor of me, his prisoner. prisoner, but be thou partaker, be a partaker. of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. All right, let, let's, let's skip down a little bit. Let's go to verse 11. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am I'm not, not ashamed, ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. Right. And I and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. All
0: right. Verse 13. Hold fast Hold the, fast form, of sound the words, form of sound words which, thou which heard of you me. have heard from me. In
1: faith and love which is in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was
0: committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Now, Now look, Timothy was not Paul's physical son but he was his son in the gospel and Paul writes repeatedly what you've got in you Timothy it's because I have invested a lifetime of training you of preparing you I knew this day was coming I knew that my time would be up I knew that I would finish my course I would run my race and when I'm gone somebody has got to pick up where Paul leaves off and so I'm looking to you my son in the gospel i want to pass this on to somebody that from the very beginning has been trained this way well hallelujah i believe that's what god's looking for and i believe that's our responsibility his parents <coughs> excuse me and grandparents hallelujah it's not so much in whether they learn the family business, but whether they learn God's business. Now, what's all this got to do with baby Camden? Well, everything. Everything. I want you to consider for a minute Camden's lineage. Camden's great great-grandmother declared this apostolic message. Camden's great-grandfather pastored this church. Camden's great-uncle is an apostolic preacher. His great-aunt is married to an apostolic preacher. Camden's father has a cousin sitting here today that's an apostolic preacher. Camden's dad is an apostolic preacher. His grandpa is an apostolic preacher. I'm telling you, this boy this boy has got a lineage this boy has got a heritage now listen to me brandon i'm not calling camden into the ministry but i'm telling you this if you'll start right now preparing that boy i want to know who would be better qualified to one day step into a pulpit and declare the truths of god than somebody that can go back generation after generation knowing and loving this message that we hold dear Well, hallelujah, I'm telling you what an opportunity Brandon and Andrea have to Take this child and shape his life. I'm not interested in whether he can play ball. I don't care, amen, if he can if he can perform algebra. I'm not interested, but I'm telling you, there is an opportunity that is afforded to you as a couple that you can take this life uh, and so shape it and so bend it. Uh, amen. That when God looks around 15, 16, 17, 18 years from now and says i'm looking for somebody i need somebody i'm looking for an evangelist i'm looking for a home missionary i'm looking for a foreign missionary god doesn't have to look very far he can just go down the family tree and see somebody that was raised they were prepared for a particular purpose oh hallelujah hallelujah i'm telling you brandon Begin immediately to surround this boy in an atmosphere of prayer. Let him hear mama and daddy praying. Let him hear your voices raised. When you start praying, pick him up and walk with him. Let him grow accustomed to hearing you commune with the master. Times when you're studying your Bible, hold him in your lap. Read it out loud. I know he doesn't understand it now, but let him be familiar with it it's no secret. This is what I've done with all of my grandkids. But the moment I got into that delivery room and got my hands on Camden, the first words out of my mouth were, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. of the first words he ever heard grandpa say to be the words of god himself i want them to be words of doctrine words of truth it may take a little getting used to but when you're reading your bible don't just read it to yourself but hold him in your lap and let him hear you read those words though they don't make any sense now though he doesn't comprehend them now let it be the earliest memories he's got. It's a mom and dad that prayed, that loved God. Hallelujah. 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 When you're singing to him to get him to sleep, sing the songs of Zion. I'm telling you, Brandon, this is a special boy. God's blessed you with a special boy and he's giving you a special opportunity and he's charging you with a special task. This can't be like every other child. He can't be like everybody else. Hallelujah. When you start studying for a message and you're seeking God for direction. Let Camden be there to hear you. Let him listen in on some of those private moments. Let him be a part of what you're doing. Do everything you can do to equip this boy for God's service. As I said, God may not call him to preach. God may not put him in the ministry. But I'm going to tell you, that kind of preparation and that kind of raising is going to benefit the kingdom of God wherever God puts him. It's certainly not going to hurt him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And, and, and look, I, I don't want to make this exclusive to every parent under the sound of my voice. You've got the same opportunity. You've got this, you may not have the lineage that Camden's got, but I'm telling you, thank God for exceptions. Let your son be the exception. Let your daughter be the exception. You may not have a grandma and a grandpa that's preachers, but you do have a mama and a daddy that love God, and we're gonna put that love for God in your heart. I'm telling you, the world is growing more and more wicked. If we ever needed men and women to stand up with backbones and declare the counsel of God without fear and favor, we're going to need it in the days ahead. But it's only going to happen if some parents will raise up a godly seed prepared to do the work God needs done. If you come to the music, I, I, I don't want at all to turn this into anything political, except just to say this: that when I look at the politics, the future of our country, honestly, I don't have a lot of hope. I just don't see very many people on the horizon that will turn things around. But do you want to know why there aren't very many? Because moms and dads didn't try to raise a George Washington. They didn't try to raise an Abraham Lincoln. They didn't try to raise a Ronald Reagan. Are you hearing me today? They weren't interested in putting it into their kids to understand the right principles. They're more interested in them becoming the next great basketball star. Well, it's a sad truth. They're more interested in pursuing lives that have already proven to be destructive. And this country's hurting because parents and grandparents didn't have the foresight to start trying to raise a child. One day, one day this nation's going to need you. One day this country's going to need you. Esther, where are you? Where are you? And her uncle said to her, Who knows, but what you are coming to the kingdom for such a time as this. Who knows, Brandon? If the Lord tarries his coming 20 years, who knows, but what God chose to reach down to a couple and say, I need this, I need this boy 20 years from now. Moms and dads, who knows if God looked ahead. See he's he's the same yesterday and today and forever. The Bible says he inhabits eternity. That means God's already in tomorrow. God's already in 2015, 2016, 2020. God's already there. And who knows but what God looks around. 20 years down the road, and he sees the deplorable condition and said, I need a preacher, or I need a prayer warrior. I need somebody that knows how to intercede. I, know some, I need somebody that knows how to shed some tears for lost humanity. I need somebody that's going to know their Bible, that's going to be able to quote some scriptures. I need somebody that's been prepared for this moment. Let's not drop the ball. Let's start working right now preparing our children for whatever God's purpose might be somewhere down the road. Let's stand and let's talk to the Lord together right now, everybody. let's talk to the Lord let's talk to the Lord hallelujah hallelujah I love you Jesus I love you Jesus I love you Jesus I want you, to, you and Andrew to come stand in the front if you would and bring Camden and any of the family that wants to come and stand with them. We want you to come and gather around them. beautiful beautiful moment it is when parents bring their child to the house of God to present them to the Lord it's what Mary did it's what Hannah did and I believe God is pleased with it it was Jesus himself who said suffer little children forbid them not to come to me for of such is the kingdom of heaven. I believe it's right that we do this at a time when the wonder of his birth is still fresh on your heart and your mind. You hold this new life standing reverently and thoughtfully before the father of all life. I believe that this kind of occasion provides us with a compelling message of the dignity of life and the obligation of parenthood and so the purpose of what we're doing today is first of all to help you as the parents to appreciate your obligation to train this child in the nurture and admonition of the lord with a goal in mind that when Camden reaches that age where he understands his responsibility, the natural thing for him to do will be to turn from the wrong to the right. And he will come to accept and obey the message of repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. As I've already stated God has a purpose for Camden's life to find that purpose and to live it out fully will be the definition of success for him but to refuse or ignore God's purpose is really gonna mean failure no matter how much worldly acclaim may come so it's your privilege and your duty as parents to guide this child in such a way that the will of God becomes the greatest ambition in his life. It's to this task that you are called to consecrate yourselves today and to this end that you dedicate your child to God. And so in accordance with the purpose for which you've come we ask you now to respond to the following covenant. First do you now present your child to God in solemn dedication? Do you consecrate yourselves as parents to bring up your child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Do you promise to instruct him in the teachings of Jesus Christ, in the practice of prayer, faithfulness to God and his house in every area of Christian duty and service, and to guide him in the development of a Christ-like character? And do you promise to try to the best of your ability to so shape the home life of your child, both by family devotions and by your words and your example, that he will, at the proper age, most naturally come to obey the message of Acts 2.38 and into the fellowship of the church. Inasmuch as you've promised before God and these witnesses to dedicate your child to God and yourselves to the task of rearing him for God, I charge you to address yourselves faithfully to this sacred obligation with wisdom, with patience, with devotion. And to this end, may the blessing of God rest upon you. Let's everyone pray together. Having dedicated him to the Lord, I want to present you with this certificate of dedication. And I also want to present Camden's very first Bible. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Congratulations. Amen. Amen. I think everyone ought to take some time to greet this couple and Congratulate them. And uh, there is a reception downstairs. We invite everyone to come and join us in the reception. Let's remember service tonight, 6 o'clock. We want to be here for prayer at least by 5 30. And uh, we'll have a great time tonight. God bless you. Greet one another in the fear of God. You're dismissed at Jesus. G-